In this recording, we're going to look at an interesting case where there seems to be a clash between the halacha versus what we have in the piyutim, in the poems that we say on Yom Kippur, which describe the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur in the Beis HaMikdash. So we're going to see how to resolve the clash, what is the actual halacha, and how does it fit into the various piyutim that we say. And second, this raises the issue of how much Standing, do these poems have in terms of halachic discussion? Do we just see them as poems? So maybe they don't need to reflect the actual halacha, they can have some poetic license, or because they're very important poems to the whole davening of Yom Kippur, they're incredibly central to our experience of Yom Kippur, so they have to reflect the halacha very precisely. So the discussion begins with a very interesting comment of the Balamar in his commentary on the riff at the beginning of the second chapter of Yuma. The Balamor raises the following issue. The halacha is that kol avodas hayom enak sheira gadol. On Yom Kippur, all the service in the Beis HaMikdash was done by the Kohen Gadol, not by any of the underling regular Kohanim. Even though ordinarily, most of, if not all, the service in the Beis HaMikdash was done by the regular Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol was busy managing the operation, but on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol had to do all of the service himself. That's the special rule of Yom Kippur, that it all centers around the Kohen Gadol. He's the hero, he's the central personality of the Yom Kippur day. Now, the issue is that the second chapter of Yuma deals with the payasos which were the lotteries by which they would allocate who was going to do which service in the Beis HaMikdash. So this seems very strange. Why would the Mishnah in Yuma, which all talks about Yom Kippur, talk about the lotteries when nobody else did anything on Yom Kippur other than the Kohen Gadol, so there was no need for a lottery. Of all the days of the year, the one day when there was no lottery was Yom Kippur. So the Balamor answers that in fact the Mishnah in Yuma is not referring to Yom Kippur. The Payasos only occurred on the other days. So those Mishnayos are teaching us a halacha for the rest of the year and it just happened to be placed in Maseches Yuma. But it's not relevant for Yom Kippur. And he writes, Now says the Balamor, during Musaf of Yom Kippur we read the Avodah. So that's a poetic rendition of the service of Yom Kippur in the Beis HaMikdash. Now, there are two major versions of the Avodah. There are many versions, but there are two that are the standard ones. The Sephardim say, Ata Konanta, by Yossi ben Yossi, and the Ashkenazim say, Amitz Koach, by Reb Mishulam ben Klonimus. So those are the two major versions, but again, there are others. So the Balamor points out that in the Avodah, now here he's referring to the Ashkenazi one of Amitz Koach, because this is not in the Sephardic Atakonanta, but in Amitz Koach, it does include the lotteries in the service of Yom Kippur. So that certainly seems unlike the Balamor that there were lotteries on Yom Kippur, which would mean that there were certain things which could be done by other Kohanim, not only the Kohen Gadol. Says the Balamor, Tau kulan b'mishnasenu, all of these poets made a mistake in understanding the Mishnah, and they did not understand that the Mishnah in Yuma is referring to the lotteries of the rest of the year, but there were no lotteries on Yom Kippur because 
because the Kohen Gadol had to do everything. So that is the view of the Balamor. Now, the Ramban disagrees with him and he makes an interesting comment. He says, He says, I'm also surprised. Why are the Payasos in the poems of the Avoda of Yom Kippur? But even in the Babylonian version of the Avoda, which comes, I guess, from the times of the Gemara, I'm not exactly sure what he's referring to here, even in this very ancient and authoritative version of the Avoda, it includes the lotteries in Yom Kippur. And also the first and the greatest of the Paitanim, of the poets, Rabbi Elezer HaKalir, he also includes the Payasos in his version of the Yom Kippur service. And in the poems of the Gaonim and the scholars of the yeshivas and the rabbis of Sfarad who are more contemporary, all of these great people all include the lotteries in the order of the Yom Kippur service. Says the Ramban, it cannot be that they're all wrong and only the Balamor knows what's right. So because the Ramban needs to defend the Avoda, the different poems that we have, that they couldn't all be wrong, therefore he needs to explain that there were lotteries on Yom Kippur, unlike the Balamor. So we have two very interesting arguments. One is a methodological one. According to the Balamor, there's no problem in saying that all these poets are wrong because these are not the great postkim, they're the poets. So the Balamor is okay to dismiss all of them. In fact, the Balamor is fairly dismissive in general, so he would probably be okay to dismiss almost anyone, whereas the Ramban believes that we have to defend these piyutim, these poems, and there is real halachic information in these poems. So according to the Balamor, the poems are not necessarily the correct halacha. They may reflect one viewpoint, but they shouldn't be used for actual halachic information, whereas according to the Ramban, the poems do have halachic value and they need to be interpreted along those lines. Second, we have a debate between the Balamor and the Ramban. Practically, were there lotteries on Yom Kippur? And that translates into a debate. Was there any service on Yom Kippur which was done by anyone other than the Kohen Gadol, by the regular Kohanim? So according to the Balamor, the answer is no. And according to the Ramban, there are. So the Ramban now goes through what were the services of Yom Kippur which were an exception to the overall rule that the Kohen Gadol had to do everything on Yom Kippur, what were the exceptions that other Kohanim were allowed to do? So the first one is the Trumas HaDeshen, which was the cleaning of the Mizbeach from the prior day's Karbanos. So the Ramban says that since that is an Avoda that really is connected to the day before Yom Kippur, whatever was burned on there was from before Yom Kippur, and it could even be done theoretically earlier in the night. So this is not really a service that's part of the Yom Kippur service, so the Kohen Gadol doesn't need to do it. Now, there seems to be a Gemara 
Gemara that contradicts that. The Gemara in Yuma Chafa Medbez says that because there's so much work for the Kohen Gadol to do, so on Yom Kippur we do the Trumas Hadeshen in the middle of the night so that he won't have to be dealing with it when the morning time comes. So this certainly seems to say that the Kohen Gadol is the one doing the Trumas Hadeshen and he does it at midnight so that he'll have some time to rest before the sun rises in the morning. Says the Ramban, no, we could read it that the other Kohanim are doing the Trumas Hadeshen, but what it means is that because there's so much work of Yom Kippur for the Kohen Gadol to do during the day, so it's best to get the Trumas Hadeshen out of the way and not have to make the Kohen Gadol wait around until they finish doing it. So even though someone else is doing it, they should get it done in the middle of the night and not wait until closer to sunrise. Now, included in this was the Sidur HaMaracha and the Shnei Gizrei Eitzim, the placing and preparing the wood for the Mizbeach that would burn and create the fire so that they could burn the Karbanos on it. So these are all the prep work. These are not the actual avoda, but they're preparing the Mizbeach for the service. So all of this could be done by non-Kohen Gadol, regular Kohanim, even on Yom Kippur. And also the Ramban adds the Dishon Mizbeach HaPnimi and the Menorah, the cleaning of the inner Mizbeach and the Menorah. So that again is not an actual service. It's a preparation. So all of that could be done even on Yom Kippur by a non-Kohen Gadol. So those are the services according to the Ramban which were eligible for any Kohen on Yom Kippur. And that's why they did have a pious a lottery in order to determine who would get to do that, even on Yom Kippur. So, so far, those are the two first opinions. The Balamor holds that only the Kohen Gadol could do anything on Yom Kippur, and the Ramban holds that only the actual services required the Kohen Gadol, but the preparation could be done even by a regular Kohen. Now, the Kesef Mishnah on the Rambam in El Savodas Yom Kippurim Aleph Beis, so right at the beginning, so he also deals with this issue. Issue, and he quotes that the Rash Mishans agrees with the view of the Balamor that nothing can be done other than by the Kohen Gadol. And then he quotes the view of the Ramban. But then he quotes a third view. This is the Ritva in the name of the Rambam that the only services which must be done by the Kohen Gadol are the special services of Yom Kippur. But the regular services that are done daily in the Besamikdash, and of course they're also done on Yom Kippur, those could be done by any Kohen like any other day of the year. So on Yom Kippur, there are two tracks of services that are going on. There's the regular daily service. There's a tamid, a daily sacrifice that's brought in the morning and the afternoon. There's the ktores, the incense. There's all the daily services which happen, including on Yom Kippur. Then on Yom Kippur, there's another track, which is the special services of Yom Kippur. And the Kohen Gadol goes back and forth between doing those different types of services. The Yom Kippur services he does inside the Beis HaMikdash, around the Kodesh HaKadoshim, wearing all white, whereas the daily services he does in the outer areas of the Beis HaMikdash, wearing the regular clothes with gold in them. So that's the way to differentiate between the two services. Says the Ritva, quoting the Rambam, that on a Deoraisa Torah level, the only services which must be done by the Kohen Gadol and no one else are the special services 
of Yom Kippur. But the regular daily services, again, on a Deoraisa level, could be done by any Kohen like they are any other day. Now, even on a Deoraisa level, there is a special mitzvah for the Kohen Gadol to do all of the services, including the daily services, but it was not obligatory. The rabbis instituted that the Kohen Gadol must do all of the service, including the daily services as well. Unless the Kohen Gadol is sick or weak and he's not able to do everything, so then another Kohen can step in and do some of those services. So that's why there are lotteries in the Mishnah, because there is a possibility where a regular Kohen would be doing some of the service, not on a regular year when the Kohen Gadol's in good health, but there was a possibility of a regular Kohen doing some work sometimes. So they needed to know how to do the lottery. So this is the third major view, and this is obviously much more lenient than the other views, because he's saying that on a Torah level, regular Kohanim could take care of the daily service. So that could happen if the Kohen Gadol is sick, as opposed to the first views of the Balamor and the Ramban, that the Kohen Gadol has to do all of the major services. There's only a debate whether he even has to do the prep or not. So this is the view that the Kesef Mishnah quotes. Now, the truth is that this appears in the Ritva in his Chidushim on Yuma Yudbez Amudbez, but he's not quoting the Rambam, he's actually quoting the Ramban. So there seems to be either a misprint in the Kesef Mishnah or some sort of confusion, but this idea from the Ritva seems to come from the Ramban, not the Rambam. Now, the Rambam actually seems to have a fourth view about all of this. So far, we saw that according to the Balamor, there were no lotteries on Yom Kippur at all. And according to the Ramban, there were the regular four lotteries that they did every day. So daily there were four lotteries. And according to the Ramban, there was the same number on Yom Kippur. So according to the Ramban, the four lotteries of Yom Kippur was first to decide the Trumas HaDeshen, and that included putting the wood on the Mizbeach. Second, the Dishon of the Mizbeach HaPnimi and the Menorah, cleaning out and preparing that. The third one was for the Ktores, who would take the ashes off the Ktores. And the fourth was in a case where Yom Kippur was on Sunday, so someone needed to offer the leftover stuff that they weren't able to burn on the day before on Shabbos. So someone had to burn that on Yom Kippur. So those were the four possible lotteries on Yom Kippur. Now the Tosos Yom Tov, he questions the fourth lottery of the Ramban, and he suggests that the fourth lottery was to decide who would have the opportunity to give the organs of the animal to the Kohen Gadol to put on the Mizbeach to burn. So he has a slightly different version of the four lotteries of Yom Kippur. But then he points out that the Rambam seems to only have two lotteries. The language of the Rambam is payasos. There were lotteries in the plural, so it wasn't just one, but there do not seem to be four. There seem to be only two. So the Rambam is somewhere between the Balamor and the Ramban. There were not zero lotteries on Yom Kippur, but there were not the regular four of every day. There were only two. 
And the two lotteries of the Rambam, according to the Tosos Yom Tov, were the Trumas HaDeshen, clearing off the ashes from the day before, and the Dishon Mizbeach HaPnimi, and clearing off the ashes of the inner Mizbeach. But the Rambam does not include the other lotteries that the Ramban mentioned. Now, the Tosos Yom Tov makes an interesting point that according to the Rambam, the Hatavas Neros, the preparation of the Menorah, could not be done by a regular Kohen on Yom Kippur because the Rambam disagrees with the majority who say that one Kohen would clean the menorah and then another Kohen would light it. According to the Rambam, preparing the menorah is lighting it. It's all the same thing. So obviously, according to the Rambam, that had to be done by the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, not a regular Kohen. So that's why the Rambam disagrees with the Ramban that a regular Kohen could not prepare the menorah on the morning of Yom Kippur because according to the Rambam, there is no cleaning without lighting and once you're lighting the menorah, so that has to be done by the Kohen Gadol. So those are the four major views in the Rishonim that the Tosos Yom Tov and the Kesef Mishnah put together. There is the view of the Balamor that everything has to be done by the Kohen Gadol and there were no lotteries. There is the view of the Ramban that there were four lotteries on Yom Kippur like every day. The view of the Rambam that there were two lotteries on Yom Kippur unlike the regular four. And the view of the Ritva quoting the Ramban that if the Kohen Gadol was sick, then a regular Kohen could do the day daily services, even though it's Yom Kippur, so then there would be a lottery. Now, to come back to the different piyutim, the different poetic versions of the Avodah that we have, so in a remarkable sefer, V'chiper Bakodesh, which is a very thorough commentary of the two major Avodas of Amitz Koach and Atta Konanta by Rabbi Aaron Levi, so he has a phenomenal discussion of how the different piyutim reflect these different halachic views. So we we already mentioned that Atta Konanta has no lotteries, so that's like the view of the Balamor and the Rashmi Shants, as opposed to Amitz Koach, which has four lotteries in the Avoda of Yom Kippur, so that's like the view of the Ramban. And this point is made by the Maharil in Minhagim of Hilchos Yom Kippur, Oschaf Gimel, but he puts it a little differently. He points out, and the Tosos Yom Tov also makes this point, that in the Piyot we say in the Musaf of Yom Kippur, which begins Eich Esarosh, one of the lines in there is, Batlu HaPayasos Bitsom HaMuvchar. There was no lottery on Yom Kippur. So that's like the view of the Balamor. So based on that, he asks, why in the Amitz Koach are there lotteries mentioned if there was no lottery on Yom Kippur? So he quotes the view of the Riva, which is quoted by Tosvos. The Maril is an Ashkenazi Rishon, so he's quoting the Riva from the Ashkenazi world. But this is similar to the Ramban. It's a little different. According to the Riva, there was only one lottery on Yom Kippur for the Trumas HaDeshen. So that's along the lines of what we saw from the Rambam. So he says that the Amitz Koach agrees with that view. Now, why then does the Amitz Koach have four lotteries if there's really only one according to the Riva? So he says once he started discussing the lotteries, so he just included all the four daily lotteries, even though on Yom Kippur there was only one lottery according to the Riva. So the standard approach would be that the Amitz Koach follows the view of the Ramban, that there were four lotteries, but the Maharil is fitting it 
it into even the view of the Rambam and the Riva, that there was either one lottery or two lotteries. And he's saying something which is a bit difficult and forced, that once Rabbeinu Mishulam, who wrote the Amitz Koach, started talking about the lotteries, so he just included the daily lotteries in there as well. So that's similar to what you'd have to say about the Mishnah in Yuma, that once it starts talking about the lotteries which were specific for Yom Kippur, it also starts talking about the lotteries more generally. But it's easier to say that about the Mishnah than Amitz Koach. So that's in terms of the seeming debate between Amitz Koach and Atta Konanta and how it reflects this debate between the Rishonim, whether there were lotteries and regular Kohanim could do any work on Yom Kippur. Now, the Tshuva Me'ava in Chelek Aleph Simen Aleph Osiot Zion makes an interesting point. He argues that one should not say Amitz Koach as well as Eich Esarosh because since Amitz Koach holds that there were lotteries on Yom Kippur, and Eich Esarosh holds like Atta Konanta that there were no lotteries on Yom Kippur. So you shouldn't say both of them because that would be a contradiction in terms of the halacha. Now, very interestingly, this practice of finding halacha in the poems of the Avoda is actually a very ancient one. And it almost seems to go back to the times of the Gemara itself. So the Beis Yosef in Arachayim Simen Tafresh Chaf Aleph quotes from the Ran that we see in the Gemara itself, they seem to already do some sort of avoda during the davening of Yom Kippur. Because the Gemara in Yuma Lamed Vav Amad Beis, as well as Nun Vav Amad Beis, talks about Hahu Dinachis Kame De Rava, a chazan was davening in Rava's shoal and he said something. So this seems to already be an early version of the avoda that they were doing in Rava's shul on Yom Kippur already in the times of the Gemara. So this is a very ancient practice. Now, in these cases, there is a debate. For example, there's a debate between Reb Meir and the Chachamim what the order of the Vidui is. According to Reb Meir, it's Avisi, Pashati, Vichatasi. And according to the Chachamim, it's Chatasi, Avisi, Upashati. And the Chazan in Rava's shul used the formula of Rebbe Meir, not the Chachamim. So Rav Rava asked him, why are you prioritizing Rabbi Meir over the Chachamim? And he answered, because that's the order of the formula in the Torah. So already we see that way back, Rava wanted the piyut, the poem of the Avoda that he was saying, or whatever exactly the formula he was using was, but whatever they were saying in the shul should reflect the proper halacha. Now, there's an interesting issue when to say the Avoda. So our universal custom nowadays is to say it during Musaf. And the Mordechai in Yuma Simintaf Shin Chavzayin quotes that in the Siddur of Rav Amram Gaon, that's what he says, that we should put the Avoda in Musaf because that's when the primary service of the Kohen Gadol occurred in the Beis HaMikdash. So it was mostly in the Musaf window, so we say the Avoda during Musaf. But interestingly, Rav Sadia Gaon, who also wrote a Siddur, so he says that there are many places where they say the Avoda also in Shachris as well as Musaf, and he thinks there's nothing wrong with this, so that's that's why he's going to quote three piyutim of avoda for people who want to say it more than once. And interestingly, in the Sefer Me'asharim from the Ritz Geus, so he quotes that Rav Hai Gaon agreed in principle with Rav Amram Gaon that the avoda should be during Musaf, but he was a Rav in Baghdad for many years. And at 
at that time in Baghdad, they said the Avoda both at Shachris and Musaf because they loved it so much. And he tried to convince them to only say it at Musaf, but he was unable to change the custom. So he allowed them to say it both at Shachris and Musaf. And the later Gaonim, the later great rabbis of Baghdad, continued to allow that practice. So there's a very interesting debate between Rav Sadia Gaon and Rav Amram Gaon whether to say the Avoda only at Musaf or also at Shachris. Now, in terms of who wrote these piyutim, so we know that the Amitz Koach was written by Rabbeinu Mishulam ben Rabbeinu Klonimus Gaon, who was one of the very early great Ashkenazi figures. Anytime you see Klonimus, you know that it's basically from that early German or Italian Jewish family of very prominent Gaonim. But the question is, who wrote the Atta Konanta? So that Budraham discusses this issue, and he writes, V'nimtza kasuv b'nischos shalanu, he has some tradition that Yossi ben Yossi Kohen Gadol, so that was the name of this poet, Yossi, the son of Yossi Kohen Gadol, he's the one that wrote Atta Konanta. And that's what the Beis Yosef in Simen Tafresh Chaf Aleph also assumes that Atta Konanta was written by Yossi ben Yossi Kohen Gadol. Now, why was he called Kohen Gadol? So that Raham says either he was a Kohen Gadol in the second Beis HaMikdash. So this is a very early Paitan. This is one of the earliest, if not the earliest poet that we have already living in the times of the second Beis HaMikdash. And he was a Kohen Gadol then. Or he was a descendant. So that was like the family last name, Kohen Gadol, because his ancestors had been the Kohen Gadol. Then Abudraham suggests that maybe he wasn't a Kohen Gadol at all. He was just a great Kohen in his generation, even though it was after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, like people will call the Chafetz Chaim a Kohen Gadol. He's not literally a Kohen Gadol, but he's the greatest Kohen of his generation. So maybe that's what Yossi Ben Yossi was as well. So this is maybe more likely from a historical perspective that he was after the period of the second Beis HaMikdash. Now, the Abu Draham says that the benefit of the Atta Konanta is that it uses the language of the Mishnah. So it's not new original language that he came up with, but he put the language and the phrases of the Mishnah into poetic form. And the Bal Ha'itar also says that that's what makes Atta Konanta so great, that it uses the same phrases as the Mishnah. Then Abu Draham says that in the Siddur of Rav Amram, he quotes Atta Konanta, but he doesn't list the author as Yossi ben Yossi. And then Rav Amram lists a number of different versions of the Avoda which are able to be used. So he suggests Shivas Yamim, which seems to be a reference to the chapter in the Mishnah Yuma that begins with those words. Or he suggests Azkir Sela, which is a Roman version of the Avoda. Then he mentions Atta Konanta. And then he refers to Atzaltzel or Ashanen. So those seem to be the Kalir's versions. So Rav Amram Gon gives a number of different versions. And then finally, the Abu Draham quotes that Rav Sadia Gaon also refers to a different poem. So he gives a totally different option for the Avoda, which is Gvuros Eloka Nedari. And that, he says, is authored by Yossi ben Yossi. So at the end of the day, it's not clear whether Atta Konanta was really written by Yossi ben Yossi. There is some tradition along those lines, but neither Rav Amram Gaon or Rav Sadia Gaon seem to accept that tradition. Rav Amram Gaon leaves Atta Konanta anonymous, and Rav Sadia 
Gaon attributes a different poem to Yossi ben Yossi. And in fact, Rabbi Levi quotes from a Machzor Ale Yaakov that nowadays we know that Atta Konanta was not written by Yossi ben Yossi, so it's unknown who wrote that piyot. Now, Rabbi Levi also quotes one of the unusual things about both of these piyutim is that they don't begin with a discussion of the service of Yom Kippur. They both begin at the beginning of history. It's like someone that tells a long-winded story. You would say that he begins at the beginning of time. So both of these piyutim begin literally at the beginning of time. So why is that? Why is it important to connect the whole history of the world with the Avoda of Yom Kippur? So he quotes that in the Sefer Melechus Avodas HaKodesh, he explains, because one of the three things the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos says that the world stands on is Avoda. So that's why the Piyutim are connecting the whole creation of the world with the Avoda of Yom Kippur to emphasize that the world stands on this Avoda. Then he quotes another nice approach from the Avodas Yisrael because the piyutim are trying to remind us of all the sins and all the mess-ups and failures of humanity from the very beginning when Adam sinned right after he was created. And still over and over again, Hashem continued to sustain them and to give everyone a chance to repent even as one generation after the next continued to sin, but they all had the ability to do teshuva and to come back and to be forgiven. So that is the lesson of Yom Kippur, that this process of sin and repentance is an ongoing one from the very beginning of creation. It's been going on for all time. There's nothing new about it. So when we come to Yom Kippur, despite whatever sins we may have done, whatever failures happened this year, but we should be aware that we're another generation in a long process of Hashem giving us the opportunity and the ability to repent and to be forgiven through Teshuvah. So that's why the Piyutim start with the very beginning of history.